greatest football player I've ever seen was Carlton Chester Gilchrist. He probably is the greatest football player that we've never heard of. He was the biggest running back I've ever seen. Cookie was besieged by devils, maybe some of his own making. He was angry with Paul Brown, was angry with Ralph Wilson. Was he angry with himself? Cookie said, uh, there comes a time you just absolutely have to take a stance. We think this is the time. There's a Japanese expression, the nail that sticks out gets hammered. Cookie Gilchrist was always the nail that stood out and always the nail that got hammered down. He feared nothing, nor no man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Sample Hour. I'm blessed to have a very cool guest on the, on with me today. Um, thank you, Mr. At the Cody S on Twitter, or Cody Schlegel, for connecting, making this connection for the two of us. But uh, joined by a filmmaker, editor, uh, producer, Mr. Dave Jingo. How are you doing today, sir? Great, Drew. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, not a problem, not a problem. Um, so... The reason why we have Mr. Jingo on today is because he made this awesome movie about this awesome human being who I had quite honestly never heard of. And uh, Cody was telling me about it. We were actually sitting down having a beer and I was we were talking about the film festival that you guys met at. And uh, just tell me the story about this gentleman named Cookie Gilchrist. And uh, yeah, it's just such a crazy story. I had the pleasure of watching the movie last night. Um just his story and just, I feel like just like his posture and just like his, I guess like his, his self, like his personal power, if that makes sense. It's just so like, it's so inspiring. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know, man. Like how did, uh, I mean, you'll do a better job of, of talking about cookie than I will, Dave. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, awesome film, man. just want to tell you right off the bat. That was an, it was an awesome movie. Um, so how did, uh, so just just give people a quick rundown for me, like who uh, who Cookie was and how you came about making this film. I I will do that. <laughs> Cookie Gilchrist, Charlton Chester Cookie Gilchrist. His real name was Charlton Carlton Chester Gilchrist. Uh, he was born in Brackenridge, Pennsylvania, in 1935. Brackenridge is on the river, and it is just a few miles down the river from Pittsburgh. It's a steel town. His uh, family worked in the steel mills. Both his parents worked in the steel mills. Um, they were pretty poor. They even lived in housing that was provided by the steel company. So that was uh, that was the world he grew up in. Um, I think he had a pretty happy childhood overall. Uh, initially, he was raised by his grandparents, and then who lived on the street from his actual parents, and then he moved in with his parents. And I'm still unclear as to why and how it transpired that way, but that's what happened. He he started living with his grandparents at a very early age, and then when he's about seven or eight, his grandparents passed away, and then he moved back in with his parents. Yeah, that was fascinating. Um, like right off the bat, like sorry sorry to interrupt, but just like no. Like right in the film, like uh, like you like it's it's awesome that you guys have the audio of him talking about it, but like it, they it was planned for him to live with his grandparents, and it and that whole thing was kind of interesting. Like I didn't understand that, but like clearly, like the kindness of his grandmother and the sternness and strongness and kindness of his grandfather as well influenced him throughout his entire life. Like that those those first seven years. I, I don't know. I noticed just in the way you guys told the story, like you could see, like you could see that in him throughout the, throughout his life. Yeah. Yes. He was, uh, very much so influenced by his grandparents. They, uh, they taught him, um, you know, values and morals that he carried with him. Like you said, the rest of his life. Um, first and foremost, I think they told him being a, an African American man, uh, in the growing up in the 1930s and 40s, that he really had to stand up for himself, and there would be people that would try and take advantage of him and um, do him harm. And you know, as we'll get into, that indeed did come true. So uh, yes, very important, very important. His grandfather was actually uh, a slave, 
And uh, he would remind Cookie of that, and he would remind him that uh, he's free and that he should always uh, cherish that. And uh, I think he did. I think that uh, stayed with him a long time. And, um, yeah, he, he grew up, uh, like I said, in this uh, steel town. And um, just like any other Midwestern town, you know, sports is very popular. And from a very early age, he was a tremendous athlete, tremendous athlete. And um, he excelled in football more than any other sport. Uh, so much so that he was actually playing on the varsity team when he was in junior high. That's how good he was. And uh, by the time he actually was in high school, he was pretty much a celebrity in that area. And I want to go back and uh, say one more thing. Um, you mentioned how we had actual recordings of his voice. Um, Cookie, I think, later in his life, felt that if he documented everything he did, including recording himself and conversations with people, that um, he could kind of um, present the truth. And he, he always felt that he was um, misrepresented and that a lot of what he said was twisted in the press. So he felt that he could have more control if he you know, recorded himself in conversations with other people, which he did at length in his later years. And another very fascinating thing about him, um, he was always on the cutting edge of technology. Right up till the last years of his life, he he was, um, you know, making recordings with, when he was younger. Uh, when he was older, he had video cameras, he had chip cameras, he had a Facebook page. Um, he was pretty adept with his cell phone, so he he seemed to have a uh, technological aptitude, I think, above and beyond most people, which I found fast. Fascinating. But um, getting back to the story, I don't know if you want me to just kind of go through the whole story. <laughs> well, I tell you what, touch on something. I tell you what, I was kind of taken away just because, like, I mean, it's it's easy. Hold on a sec. My mic, my microphone cable. Gosh, darn it. Um, it's easy to get lost in the story about Cookie. Like um, he like, yeah, I mean, like it, it, it's just like he was so far ahead of his time, like in, in every aspect, like. um like I like it's so like his story is just so moving like I mean like it like everything that he was into like he wasn't like he, he it, man it's just hard to put into words like how how much like how I feel like the conversations with his grandfather like about like freedom and you having to look out for yourself like was so important like because it's like he saw things like he looked at things differently than so many other people. And it, and it, and it's interesting, like, like him recording and it's like, man, you know, he's doing these recordings of himself. I'm like, that's kind of what this podcast is for me. Like it's this, this archive for me and my life isn't nearly as interesting as cookies, but it's like, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like he, like he understood that, like, like, because like, just like what you were saying, like he did totally like he never felt like he was represented correctly because he wasn't like there was no I mean like actually like I was actually man I wish I could say there's this book out about how like the uh, mindset the plantation mindset of professional sports and and I think like I think Cookie realized that and I don't think like he talked about it but I think Cookie kind of realized in a sense of like being a professional athlete, there is a sense of slavery to it. Or, or am I, do you think I'm reaching there? Or No, no, not at all. You know, one of his contemporaries was Jim Brown, and he did a lot of, um, um, he did a lot of things with Jim Brown. He actually hung out with them in Los Angeles after their careers, but he also, those two together, championed a lot of causes. And Jim Brown has used that term plantation and the analogy of slavery many times. And um, some of the um, causes that they fought together with were against that very concept. Um, we're jumping ahead, but they were involved with Muhammad Ali and um, his ability to be reinstated because after, um, you know, refusing to be drafted. So you are absolutely right. And um, one thing to know about Cookie Gilchrist is he never stood down. He, if he thought something was right, and, and he definitely had his moral compass, if he thought something was wrong, he would go full bore ahead, 
without any regards to the consequences to himself and and attack it. And I think that comes out of, like you said, um, the teachings that his grandfather instilled in him. You're free. Uh, you've, you've got to hold on to that. You cannot let people control you. You need to be your own man. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I think also too, the fact that it's like, I mean, it, it just was like, I, it, just the whole story about the way his grandfather taught him as a child. And I'm like, like, man, you know, there's so much truth to what his grandfather was doing way back then. And it's like, there was like, he was like, you know, the, the white men are always going to try to enslave, you know, and, and I don't want to get trivial, but it's, it's just a reality. Like that's not really far fetched from today. It's like, I feel like it's much sneakier. And, uh, I think like there's definitely more opportunity, but at the same time, like, man, I just, I feel like it's like, I kind of feel like, and not to get like too deep on a content, like on a, like on a on a topic but i i feel like what what he was saying then is like so true now like in the sense of like uh um it's it's like more it's it's done more like in the dark and i feel like more economically and uh i I, I totally agree um and i think cookie would agree too i you know racism is a is a very heavy topic um cookie gilchrist experienced racism throughout his life um, I think back then it was much more covert. Um, you could, uh, or overt, I should say. Yeah. Um, the things people did was to black people was out in the open, you know, from the, uh, arrest to the, uh, to the derogatory names, um, to the humiliations, you name it. I think with each generation, it gets better and better. And obviously we've made progress, which is important to, point out, but I think we also have to, um, you know, address the fact that there's still progress to be made and there's still issues. And, you know, I think today, I think you're right. I I think it's much more covert today. I think, uh, racism has kind of been driven into the shadows. So, um, it's much more subtle the way it is, uh, the way it is, uh, demonstrated and, and how it manifests itself. So, um, it's, it's one of those, fights, you know, um, slavery has been called the original sin of America. And, um, I, I think we'll struggle with it for a long time. I, you know, I think generally speaking, we all want to do the right thing. We want to progress and, and make it better and eradicate it totally. But, uh, it's just going to take a long, long time to do that. Um, I, I think cookie, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. You're on a, you're on a good point. I was just going to say, I completely agree, but that was it. I had, I had nothing else to add, Dave. I just want to diverge you from this okay. great thought process okay. you had going on. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, I do think, uh, for the audience's sake, we should give a little overview of cookie and, and who he is. Um, the reason cookie Gilchrist is famous for any reason at all is not because of, uh, his struggles as a young man with, racism and exploitation. Um, it's because he was a football player and a very good football player. Um, he, if anybody has heard of him at at all here in this country, it would be because they remember him playing for the Buffalo bills in the early 1960s. So, um, I just wanted to give that reference to, to people out there so that they know we're talking about a football player and that's how he gained his fame and his wealth and his ability to try and affect change. But, um, there's so much more to him. In fact, you know, I knew who cookie Gilchrist, the football player was because I, ever since I was a kid, I've been a football fanatic and I happened to grow up about three blocks from the pro football hall of fame in Canton. And I would go over there and just read and study everything. And I go home and read books and, you know, was very voracious with my, uh, appetite for football and football knowledge. So I know who he, I knew who he was, but I did not know who Cookie Gilchrist, the man was. And, um, Cookie Gilchrist, the man is actually much more fascinating than Cookie Gilchrist, the football player. And as a football player, he was in his day, you know, at the top of the heap, they called him the Jim Brown of the American football league. He was that good. Yeah, he was, he was incredible. He was like a bigger Jim Brown though, which, a lot of people don't like, I mean, like for back, I mean, even by today's standards, he would be a monster on the football field. 
Like at his position? He, he, he was, yes, he was back in those, he weighed about 260, I, I believe was his playing weight in the AFL. And he was, I think he was about 6'4". So he was a very big man, but incredibly fast and incredibly agile. So you're right. He he could play in today's league and and, and be a, an absolute force because, you know, that kind of size is still big for a running back. The players get bigger and stronger and faster every year, but here we are 50 years later, and um, he would still be um, relevant and still be competitive with his size and speed. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, my favorite uh... – <laughs> I think my favorite, I mean, not only, I mean, he, he played both ways a lot. And, and like, what was interesting too, was like, I think one of the stats that you guys showed in the movie was like his interception yardage that he had. Um, yeah. And it was just crazy. It's like, this guy is like big, is like the size of the defensive lineman. And he had, you know, like a thousand yards of interception and it's like, geez, Louise. And then, uh, my favorite moment was, uh, the year that they won the AFL championship on the Bills when they played the Patriots, and the first play, one of the first plays of the game, he knocked the defensive back out cold by running into him while he had the football. I mean, it, it was yeah. just, it, it, it just reminded me of like, uh, it, it, first thing I thought of was uh, the U when they were like, yeah, we're going to go knock that guy out on the kickoff. But like, <laughs> Cookie, they were on defense. Like, Cookie had the football. And he's just like, I'm going to kill every player on their team. And, he, and I, I mean, it was so fun to watch. Like, it was so fun to, like, hear these players, like, you know, 50 years later, telling these stories. And it's just like, man, you know, he's a leader on the field. But then it's like, I mean, just like what you said, like, you know, it's so easy, I mean, to get sidetracked and get lost in, like, who Cookie, Cookie Grillcrest the man was. Like, I mean, just like when you look at, I mean, looking at pictures of him, um, like the stills that you guys have in the film. I mean, you look at him and he looks like a man who has like the the resolve of like, I mean, because he was. I mean, in and in regards, he he really was a civil rights activist, but like he just has that that look of like that resolve of to himself or like that 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 um posture of like freedom and power, like personal power and freedom, and and it's. It's just it's it's fascinating, man. It's it's inspiring. I think to to still hear his story. And um, uh, sorry, I'm just getting lost, Dave, because it's like just the film. No, the film's so powerful. I mean, the film is so powerful because it's like I I mean I I don't I'd never heard of I I'd barely heard of Kicker Girl, Chris, and then I I watched some like clips on YouTube before like I reached out to you to like for us to talk, and it's just like. Man, I gotta, I gotta know more about this guy. Like, I, how do I not know who this guy is? And it's, and it's sad because it's like, and it, and it clearly is, it's kind of just because of like the whole aspect of like there was no players union, there was no, there was no agents. I mean, like he was like, I mean, in, in the ways that he like revolutionized football. I mean, it wasn't just like civil rights in the sense. I mean, which, which I'm sure we're gonna, we'll get into. But like, also, like he's influenced. He influenced the game from top to bottom, and and that was just in football. I mean, uh, um, I'll let you, I'll let you expand, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think you you're absolutely right. And going back to what you said, his stature and his demeanor. He he carried himself very well. He carried himself with somebody who had a lot of confidence. But I think more importantly, he carried himself with somebody that had a lot of self respect. And I think, and, and I think it was even mentioned in the film by his son, Scott, that um, he really didn't care if you liked him or not, but it was important to him that you respected him. And um, I think, you know, he conducted himself accordingly. And, you know, if, if he thought some, again, needed to be done, he would, he didn't care if um, it caused people to not like him. But, um you know, by God, they were going to respect him. <laughs> they were going to respect him. And then um, getting back to what you were saying about um, how he seemed to change a lot of things, um, I think one of the most poignant lines in the whole film is by his son, Jeff, who said his life was like Forrest Gump in reverse. And 
I think um, if you if you watch the film, you understand what he means. And the fact that we don't know who this guy is, I think, sort of explains that notion. Um, he was always on the cutting edge and always kind of, you know, on the cusp of um, being involved in something historic or, or something fantastic. And he never quite got there or he never quite got the credit for it. Um, You know, one of the classic examples of how he just never quite made it. um, Another aspect of his life that would fascinate people, he wanted to be a businessman, an entrepreneur, and he had hundreds, if not thousands of ideas. And um, he would try and execute these ideas. And uh, most of the time they didn't work. They were varying degrees of success, but nothing ever was successful enough that you know, he was able to retire and become a wealthy man. Um, but one time early in his career, he played in the Canadian Football League. Um, before he played in the AFL, he had uh, started a restaurant. And this was the late 1950s when he was in Hamilton. And this uh, old gray-haired gentleman came into the restaurant and said, Hey, I've got this recipe for chicken. And um, I'm thinking about... Um, franchising and I wondered if you'd be interested in going in on me and Cookie turned him down and that of course turned out to be Colonel Sanders. So he just you know, if he had even had a fraction of a percent of that business, he would have been wealthy beyond his wildest dreams. But he he just didn't see the value in that and turned it down and the rest is history. So he, he was always doing that kind of thing. Um, he said he was ahead of his time in so many ways. I think one of the most um, interesting ways that he was ahead of his time was with um, the NFL and um, how they treat their players. Again, he was always about making things right, and he did not like um, the way players were tra- treated. He did not like how they ended up after their career, kind of thrown on a scrap heap and, and left to die, basically. And there was a lot of players, you know, in his era that were retiring and were broke, um, were having all kinds of problems and, um, you know, all kinds of health issues. Well, we know now that um, there's a lot of health issues, in, you know, involved with, uh, that are, you know, are affected by playing professional football. Um, you know, the the concussions and CTE is a big topic now. Well, he was aware of that, and he actually tried to start a, um, a, a player's coalition called the United Athletes Coalition, and it involved all four major sports, football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. And what he wanted to do was try and help players transition from being professional athletes into the business world and start a career after their professional sports career. And he wanted to help players with resumes. He wanted to help them with marriage counseling. And he was talking about concussions. Well, this was 1974 when nobody was talking about that. He actually wrote a manual that covered all this stuff. And um, I believe a lot of that manual is actually, you know, in the, uh, in the NFL PA the NFLPA's uh, manual to this day. And again, he never really got any credit for it. And I, I think he was kind of bitter about that. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's both amazing and, and, and a little sad that he never really did get that credit. Now, there is a one little silver lining. Um, this film premiered in New York City the Friday night before the Super Bowl at a player networking event. And they, the, one of the objectives of this event is to help players transition from their career in the NFL into a successful career um, afterwards. And so Cookie is sort of the patron saint of this whole concept. And uh, the, the, the man that organized this, and it was it's his whole... It's his concept, Player Networking Event, Guy Troop. Um, they named an award for Cookie. So every year they will have a winner who 
they will select a player who has successfully transitioned from the NFL into uh, the business world, and he will be awarded the Cookie Gilchrist Award. So, um, you know, I think that's a nice nod to him that uh, that uh, they gave him. And I, I, I think he would have appreciated it if he were alive today. Yeah, I think uh, the thing with Cookie, like, it, what was – what was interesting was like he wanted to have a success in business and I, and I know like, you know, he felt cheated by the sense of, uh, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say cheated. I'd say used. I think he felt used by like, you know, football in the sense of like how he, he wasn't properly compensated. But I think what really, I think hurt him most was like, like some what you were saying, like the lack of respect to not getting the recognition, not out of like, I don't think it was like an ego thing. I think it was like a total respect thing. And I think, uh, I think I totally agree. I think he would totally, I think it, it would mean something to him just for like the, the fact of having a legacy or that his, the, the recognition of, of his, of his influence in, in our, in football, which is a humongous part of American culture. And if not the global, and it's on its way to being part of the global culture. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I I don't know. Like I I think I think Cookie. I mean, there's just so much so much stuff that uh, that he he did influence. That one thing that I thought was interesting was like his his campaign to to raise this money, and he and he didn't want to give up on the idea. And uh, he like had all these friends that that were successful and did have money. And the one person who did support him was uh, was Marvin Gaye, and I was like, "Wow, that's incredible! Like one of the greatest singers ever." Um, and it just shows like who he was as a person. Like this, Marvin Gaye was like, "Yeah, here's some money. Like keep this going." Yeah, yeah, that that is an interesting story. Yeah, Marvin Gaye, you're right. Um, Cookie solicited a lot of his friends, and he had a lot of friends that were celebrities um, beyond professional sports. He had, he had lived in uh, Los Angeles in the late sixties and early 1970s. He had a lot of friends that were celebrities and wealthy. And, um, he, he called on all of them and said, you know, this is my cause. Will you help? And the only one to help is Marvin Gaye. And, you know, I don't know if you know this about Marvin Gaye. He was, he loved sports and he wished he was a professional athlete and there was even talk about him actually getting a tryout with the Detroit Lions. And uh, I think at the last minute, the, the head coach, and I can't remember which head coach it was, looked at him and he said, you know, you're, <laughs> you're just too small. You're going to get killed out here. So they, he did, never did actually play. But he, he was one of those uh, musicians that wanted to be an athlete. You always hear about musicians who want to be athletes and athletes who want to be musicians. Well, he truly did. And he... Um, sympathized and empathized with the players and he wrote cookie a $5,000 check to, to help kind of get this United athletes coalition off the ground. And above and beyond that, he agreed to have a concert, a benefit concert in Toronto. I believe it was 1976 and it was, um, Marvin Gaye was the first time he'd ever played in Toronto. So it was a big deal. Uh, Ike and Tina Turner and Tavares, and um, they pulled off the uh, pulled off the um, concert. It was a big success. I think it was nearly sold out or sold out. Um, they, you know, were selling popcorn and whatever else you, you sell concerts. And Cookie was excited. He's like, "Hey, this is uh, we're going to make some money. We're we're on our way." And um, he had negotiated the contract with a guy by the name of, um, his first name was Henry Ballard was his last name. Uh, he owned the Toronto Maple Leafs as well as Maple Leaf Garden where this uh, concert was held. And when it came time to collect his share of the ticket sales, I guess Ballard produced this uh, document that had a list of all these ancillary costs that Cook had never seen before. And they basically ate up all the, profits that he would have been able to receive for the United Athletes Coalition. And just another example of almost being there, but not quite, and kind of being uh, screwed over by um, greed and deception. 
another sad story. Yeah, man. It's it's like every turn. But like what was amazing is it's like he he never he never gave up on his principles. And and it's like like I think that like and you guys show like that moment really did crush him. But um he was still like he was still himself. Like he's still uh I don't know like I I think I think it it shows it shows so much about his character because he faced so much adversity throughout his life and he never he never let it change him like like towards the end like what like uh it was interesting because it, they thought it had changed him and then they just realized that the the reality of the situation was he had CTE like he had and uh and and I think it that that just it, it just blows my mind. Like he, like he's one of the, like he's one of the first victims of something that he was championing, championing that like we need to fix this because this is going to happen to us, and then it happened to him, and like which is also sad. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, that it is ironically sad. Absolutely, and you know, he did champion a lot of causes, and he was many times at the forefront of these causes and I've likened him in the past to the, the first wave of Marines that hit the beach of Normandy. You know, they're the first ones there and they really take the brunt. And he seemed to always take the brunt of um any assault he made on any wrongdoing. And I think, you know, accumulatively it kind of took its toll on him later in life. And like you said, he was a pioneer in championing championing against um, concussions, brain damage, and CTE. And it's ironically sad that he, in his later years, suffered tremendously from CTE. He he was um, his family donated his brain to the uh, research project at uh, Boston University, and they determined that he had stage four, which is the the worst um, type of of brain damage, so he he really suffered from it, and, and you know he he showed all the symptoms that we're now aware of now that I don't think he or anyone else or his family was aware of um, the paranoia, um, the mood swings, um, you know all the stuff that we're familiar with now, and and it had an effect, it, you know, an adverse effect on him obviously, but also on his family. Because you know nobody knew what this was, nobody understood it, so they just see him kind of act, acting irrationally, and it really put a stress on his relationships with his family members. And I, I think that's one of the saddest things that uh, he um, he passed away, like you said, um, you know, with this advanced stage of this disease, and it really had an effect on, on, on his family and his loved ones. And, you know, that's, that's sad that he could not have, um, righted that before he passed away. I think like, what's interesting about cookie is it's almost like he was a, a martyr in every cause. <laughs> like he was like, <laughs> just like what you said, like he was like an, a martyr in every cause because everything, by standing up for his rights and being the first to do it, like he he took the brunt of what paved the way for everybody else, and uh, and I think that's uh, but I think it it's like ironically I, I feel like Cookie I feel like Cookie like being able like if he could look back on his life from a third person I, th- I think especially now like maybe he might even appreciate that in a weird way like not that. I don't know. Like that sounds weird, but like I'd like to think that he'd have some peace to it. But uh, he was successful sometimes. Like I don't want to, you know. This is getting this is getting kind of sad, Dave. <laughs> but Cookie's story yeah, is yeah. is sad. But like uh, um, at the same time, though, like Cookie Cookie did a lot of good. Like the how he uh, how his friends would contact Cookie before they'd go negotiate their contracts because. They knew that Cookie knew how much everyone was getting paid. And uh, my favorite story is the story in New Orleans and uh, the uh, for the All-Star game. Um, I, not favorite yeah. because of what they went through, but like 
they made a difference like that that moment made a humongous difference and 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 i think they actually got a really positive result out of it i i agree i i am absolutely amazed that that incident is not more widely known not only in sports history but but in our culture you know because you know sports is like you said such an important part of our culture that that was a very significant event that I, I don't think hardly anybody's aware of. I actually heard somebody mention that event on TV the other day, and I was surprised because I had never heard anybody else mention it before. And, and just to give the listeners a little background on this story, um, after the 1964 season, uh, Cookie was playing for the Bills. They had just won the AFL championship. He was named to the All-Star team, and they were slated to play the game in New Orleans. Now, this is January of 1965. Civil Rights Act had just been passed the year before, 1964, and a lot of these cities in the South were really not adhering to to the new laws, Um, and New Orleans turned out to be one of them. They wanted a professional football team. And they were trying to get an NFL team. They had been unsuccessful up to that point. So they turned to the AFL and they were going to court the AFL. And they decided the way to court the AFL was to host this all-star game. And they had assured all the athletes in the league that everybody would be treated equally and uh, there would be no problems. And while they got down there and there were problems, they could get cabs. Um, There was, you know, people, the derogatory remarks were yelled. Um, they couldn't go down on Bourbon Street and go into some of the clubs. Um, they had guns pulled on them. Um, it was pretty much what you would not want to have happen, and pretty much the exact opposite of what they had promised. So the black players got together, um, both the, the East and the West teams, and they had a meeting, and Cookie was one of the leaders of this meeting, and they said, you know, we're not going to take this. We are not going to take this. This is not right. And um, they voted to boycott the game, which is unheard of. This is 1965. This is before um, the the black power symbol of the 1968 Olympics. Um, this really was the first time where black athletes – took on this kind of um, cause. And as Ron Nix says in the documentary, we're not concerned about the consequences to themselves. Um, I think up to that point, um, people were concerned about the consequences. And because of the culture we had, the consequences could be extreme. They could be violent. So, People really didn't do that. But these athletes, they were brave. They stood up and they said, we're not going to take this. We're going to boycott the game. And um, there were several white athletes that were behind them. Jack Kemp, who was the quarterback for um, the Buffalo Bills and a teammate of Cookies and a very good friend of Cookies, uh, of course, went on to be a candidate for president of the United States. Um, Ron Nix, who was an all-star for the San Diego Chargers. Billy Shaw, who grew up in the deep South in Mississippi, he fully supported the players. So they had some support from the white players, but uh, the black players uh, to a man said, we're not going to take this. We're going to boycott this game. So the AFL quickly moved the game from New Orleans to Houston, which again is unheard of. I, in fact, I don't ever remember hearing um, a game being moved from one city to the, to the other like that under circumstances like that. There's been other games moved actually out of New Orleans, ironically enough, after Hurricane Katrina, some of the Saints games were moved to other um, cities, but those were totally different circumstances. And it just amazes me that they were able to pull this off. And the city of New Orleans had to take a good hard look at itself and say, you know what? We are not going to get a professional football team here unless we change our ways. And they did. And of course, they, a couple of years later, they were awarded the New Orleans Saints. And a lot of people say, you know, these players and what they did and what they stood, stood for 
really indirectly are linked to the New Orleans, the city of New Orleans landing a franchise, the New Orleans Saints. So again, there's Cookie right in the middle of this firestorm affecting this change. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of players that did, and they were all brave. Um, but uh, Cookie was, was one of the leaders. Yeah, it, he... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's... I thought it was fascinating because <laughs> Cookie first went down there, he said he wanted a cab, and they said, oh, you need to have a black cab. He's like, no, I don't care what color it is. I just need a ride. <laughs> and then, he, like, he just didn't expect it. Like, it was just so funny. Uh, it was so funny because... Yeah, like, yeah. They, no, like uh, they didn't like he had no idea, and then like just was furious afterward. Um, anyways, it, you were saying something. Sorry about that. No, no, no. I, I, I think, I think he tried at first to approach it with a sense of humor. Um, I guess he. I, this isn't in the documentary, but apparently, he, Jack Kemp was also getting a cab, and he kind of shuffled up to Jack. Kemp and, and kind of, you know, did his, uh, you know, vaudevillian version of a, of a characterized black man and asked him if he could ride with him. And, uh, Jack had said, shut up, cookie, quit clowning around. Of course you can ride with me. So, uh, I think at first he tried to treat it with humor, but, um, then it just, it just became too much. And like you said, anger, um, soon set in and, and they were all angry and, you know, cookie again, always wanted to stand up for what's right. He just bowled forward without, um, again, any regard to the consequences it would have on his, on himself. Yeah. Just like his running style, just like his running back style. Like when you think about it, like that's, it's just who he was. It's, uh, Hello, Drew. Hey, hey, the power of Skype, or lack thereof. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> this great, like the, the technology the, is not perfect yet. Yeah, definitely. yeah. The interesting thing is, like, uh, as great as it is, it's like I don't know about you, but whenever like I'm like technology is like like I'm a pretty mellow guy, and I don't get angry about a lot of stuff. But as soon as I need something with technology and it cuts out on me, I'm like, you son of a gun. Like, I get so <laughs> mad. And it's like, wait a minute. How cool is this in reality? Like, I'm I'm on a phone call with you from my computer and then I'm recording it and then I'm going to put it on the Internet later. I guess it's not that bad of a big of a deal. <laughs> no, no, I, I you're right. Uh, computers, I think, frustrate all of us. I have to work with computers every day with my job and and. Some days they just don't want to. There's too many ghosts in the machine, and they they just don't want to work. And it's <laughs> it's very frustrating when that happens. Very frustrating. Absolutely. Um. Well, uh, as we were saying about Cookie, I think uh, people need to check out this movie. Um, if uh, um, I, th- I think uh, with this movie, uh, it's it, it it's such a good movie. I mean, I I just want to tell you and um. And and Scott and uh, Cookie's other son. Why did his name just leave my head? Um, Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. Jeff. Like you guys did an awesome job. I think uh, the Thank way you. you you guys compiled the audio of Cookie, um, and I feel like like it really, really embodies who Cookie was as a man and the influence that he had on on our lives. And I, and I think that in, in, in football and in business. Um, and and I think it's 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 still inspiring. Like I think it's sad, but it, I think it's inspiring. Like and and I and I truly mean, and and I really do think it's it's odd because I really do feel like Cookie was a martyr to a lot of things. Like he was like a, a martyr for a lot of things. Like it Cookie Cookie paved the way for a lot of things to happen. And and I think it's it's just so fascinating. Um, I I I think you're right. I, you know, I, I think you're right. He did end up being a martyr, although I don't think he ever saw himself as a martyr. I think he just saw himself as somebody who was in a position to right wrongs. And that's really what he was about. He wanted to right wrongs. And he 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 tried to do it. 
his his whole life. And sometimes he was successful, uh, sometimes he wasn't. But uh, he never stopped trying, and like you said, he never wavered from his uh, his beliefs and his values. He was very resolute, very, very much so. And um, yeah, I, I was uh, I was honored actually to to work on this project. Um, the more I got to know about him, the more fascinated I was with him, and the more I respected him. And uh, it was an honor. And, and to go back to what you were saying about um, having his audio again, he he recorded. He made so many recordings. There are thousands and thousands of hours of recordings, not only um, audio recordings, but he would record himself on video. And um, I, I think it added um, a, an extra level to the documentary of. Um, um, I don't want to say um, validated it, but um, just, you know, when you hear the man in his own words, I, I think it's a little more powerful. And it was almost kind of haunting to knowing that he had already passed and he was, uh, you know, he was making these statements. It was, it was actually, we were fortunate to have those recordings. And, and I think, uh, I think we made the right decision in using them. I completely agree. I think uh, right off the bat, him telling the story about his family, um, him reading his poem that he wrote. I mean, like Cookie was a writer too. I mean, Cookie was a great writer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so much we could. I could talk to you for hours about Cookie. Uh, and I, I wish, like, it's like, man, I wish I could have Cookie on the podcast, <laughs> like, to talk about <laughs> his life. Like, it's just like, and it's so interesting. Have they thought about like releasing a lot of that archived audio? Um, just for people to listen to, like, um, do you know if they've thought about that at all? Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if they've thought about that. That would, that would be, uh, interesting. Um, we are actually in the process. There was, there's so much to his life that, um, we, you know, there's a lot of stories that we just had to leave out or else it would have been a mini series, not a feature life documentary. So we're actually putting together a few little, um, um, short stories and we're going to release those on the internet. Uh, we're done with the, we're almost done with the first two and we'll release those. And those, a lot of those are, are his recordings. So, um, we'll, people will be able to hear some of them. That's a good point. Although I know Scott's joked, uh, you know, it, it would have to be, um, an R rated venue because, uh, cookie, his language was very colorful. Let's just put, let's put it that way. Well, that's the, that's the nice thing about the internet. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, you don't really have to worry about that. No. And, and that's the thing with cookie though. Like you'd, you'd expect cookie. I, I feel like cookie would keep himself in, in public. Like I feel like cookie would be a person who would be, he would, he would use that language. Um, I guess like when it was necessary in public, but then I, and like if, if you cross the line, I definitely see him use it, but I think in private, if it's just cookies thoughts, I think that's, I could just, I could just envision that flowing. Like just like it, whether, whatever he's expressing, expressing like he, he would be like, that was something else too. Like he, he knew how to express himself. And I think like, yeah. and I think that's so important. Um, you were going to say something to add to that, Dave, yeah. my apologies. No, 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 no. No, I, again, I, I agree with you. He, he actually, you know, he, he, he was obviously he was a very intelligent man, and, and um, um, he, um, he spoke very well. He was very well read, and he was very well spoken, and, and he could speak very eloquently in public, and, and he often did. But you know, he was a football player, so in the locker room. You know, he had his the locker room language, and, and when he got really mad, and sometimes you can hear him getting really mad on these recordings, he really goes off. Um, but but I think it is again great that we have these recordings, and, and we tried to use them sporadically in the film, and um, I hope this translates. But what we tried to do was, at the beginning, he tells the story of growing up and his parents and his grandparents and how they affected him. But then three times in the film, we went back and it was him narrating. 
and he was telling a story. Um, one time he was talking about getting into a fight and, um, then the piece immediately following it was about a time where not physically he had to get into a fight, but he was fighting for something. So we were sort of drawing that, that parallel. And then there was another time he was in grade school and he stood up for this girl who was being teased and she was crying and he stood up for her. And then we went into the United Athletes Coalition segment where he was standing up for some of these players that were retired and were having problems and really couldn't help themselves. So, um, I, you know, we, we really tried to use that audio, um, not just so you could hear them, but also to sort of make a statement and to, and to bring home the point that the values that were instilled in him as a young child he carried through his whole life. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I totally got that. Like personally, I, I think it's it's awesome. But uh so how can uh how can people if they want to watch this movie, um, how can people get a hold of it? Well, you know, we actually finally just wrapped it up um about two months ago and we're in the process of making DVDs and very soon it's gonna be available on Amazon. So you'll be able to go on there and, and buy a copy. It's called Misunderstood, The Cookie Gilchrist Story. And uh, it will be available very soon on Amazon. If not now, I'm, I'm going to actually uh, call Scott and, and see where we stand. But I know that's what the intention was. And also there's a book, The Cookie Gilchrist Story, that is also available on Amazon. Um, so you can read about Cookie. You can watch the documentary. And... Um, there are even discussions now about doing a feature film about Cookie. We, we've been talking about that. Yeah, which, um, that'd be an awesome movie. That'd be like an awesome movie. Like Cody and I were talking about that last night. Like, man, they need to make a movie about this. This is such an awesome story. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it really would lend itself to a, a highly dramatic film. And, it, you know, just the, the, the stuff he did, the amount of things he did and tried and accomplished and failed at, I, I don't think most people even come close to doing or trying all the stuff he did. You know, he just, it's unbelievable. But he never it's gave up, too. Life. Like, that was the, that's no. like the most powerful thing. He never gave up. Never gave up. No, no. His resolve was, uh, was unbelievable. Yeah, he's 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 just such a true inspiration. Um, is there uh, is there a good way f so people can follow uh, through social networking or anything like that, Dave? Uh, my Facebook page. You can look up um, Dave Jingo on Facebook. I have two Facebook pages: Dave Jingo and David Jingo. Um, <laughs> but um, I post all the. Uh, you know, all the goings on with uh, Cookie's film and all my other films. Um, the, this documentary has been in several film festivals, and, and we've been fortunate enough to actually win some awards in some of these film festivals. And uh, there's some more coming up. So um, I That's will awesome. keep people posted. Um, I will let them know when it becomes available um, to purchase. And I think I will be releasing those shorts through uh, my Facebook page as well. That's awesome. And what uh, what else does Dave Jingo have in the pike? If you want to talk about anything else, uh, Dave, you can you can promote whatever you want right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, fantastic. I uh, I actually I've got a lot of irons in the fire. Um, like I said, we're talking about and we have uh, a script partially written for this film for Cookie Gilchrist. So uh, we're working on that. Um, like I said before, I grew up in Ken, which is Northeast Ohio, and there was a radio station, WMMS, The Buzzard. And in the 70s and 80s, it was the radio station in the United States as far as uh, breaking bands and really being cutting edge. And uh, we are working on trying to get funding for um, doing that documentary. So um, I'm working on that. Uh, I just finished editing a feature film that has been in several film festivals and I actually got to see it in the theater at the Cleveland film festival. Um, 
last month. So that was exciting. And the uh, producer of that film, Sean Lackey, he is uh, writing a couple more films. So uh, I might be working on some more of those. And then um, the biggest project of all, um, I am working with another uh, former professional football player, my business partner, Ray Ellis, played for the Browns and the Eagles. And we are working on um, a company that will create sports-related content for um, mobile devices. So I've got all kinds of irons in the fire. That's awesome, man. I'm excited. Um, anytime you want to come back on and promote whatever you want, Dave, you're more than welcome to. And whatever I can do to help promote you as well. Like, I got you, I got your back, homie. Us Ohio boys got to <laughs> stick together. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, with any luck, I'll be coming on in the next few months and talking about this uh, venture with uh, uh, Ray Else. It's called uh, Pro Sports Legacy. Any that's something I think you'd be interested in, and I think uh, most of your listeners would be interested in. I think so too. I'm a big uh, I'm a big tablet guy. I do like TVs, but I usually like to treat my TV like hook something up to it, like a tablet or a computer. So I like I'm a big internet content um, connoisseur. I guess is a way to put it. Well, um, no, well, you know that's the way it's going. That's that's exactly um, our philosophy. We understand that's the way it's going, and. Uh, that's we're gonna we're gonna uh, ride that wave, and we're very excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited too. That sounds pretty awesome. Um, and then, are you on Twitter at all, Dave? Um, I am. I my personal Twitter account is is not active, but I will be starting one um, for Post Sports Legacy soon. So okay. I'm kind of in between Twitter accounts at this point. Had to take a little bit of a break, a little bit of tweet, Twitter rehab. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's 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 so many uh so many ways to communicate these days that uh sometimes you have to put some down. So, social networking's social networking's tough. Some of my friends somehow they manage like all of their accounts and I'm like, man, I'm I'm I do Twitter and Facebook and that's it. Like I can't handle anything else. But um <laughs> anyways, people go ahead, buy that book on Amazon. I'm gonna put the links in the description. Um Dave, thanks so much for coming on, man. I, I appreciate uh, you taking the time. Um, had a great time talking to you, and I'm pretty sure the listeners are going to enjoy this as well. And uh, get it, everyone buy a copy. Uh, friend Dave on Facebook, so you can figure find out when uh, when the when the DVD is coming out. I'll I'll tweet it out and Facebook it as well. Um, you guys got to see this movie. It's a must see. It's probably it's easily my favorite sports documentary that I've ever seen. I mean, I think it's it's inspirational, especially like um, I mean, I, I've talked I, I talked Dave's ear off about how much I loved it throughout the podcast. So you guys get it. Um, anyways, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Drew Sample. Uh, follow at the Sample Hour. Um, and uh, and that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. What's going on, guys? Uh, man. Cookie Gilchrist, what an awesome guy. So do me a favor and do yourself a favor. Go to Amazon and uh, buy that book. Um, I know the movie's not out yet, but keep your eye posted. Go and friend Dave Jingo on Facebook. So he he's actually the only David Jingo on there. So the, the picture you want to friend for the updates um, is going to be, you can friend both of them, but he's probably only going to accept one. So, and it's nothing personal, guys. He needs a personal account and one of these accounts, like, He's a he's a popular guy. He's a cool guy. So, anyways, friend Dave on Facebook so you can keep in track with all the updates of his work um, and the Cookie Gilchrist uh, documentary. When it gets released, I highly recommend you guys buy it. Support Dave, support uh, support Jeff, and support Scott Gilchrist as well for being uh, for for getting their. I mean, just for loving their dad. I mean, I think it's it's an awesome story, um, and it's very inspiring. Um, so an update. So I did create on another note, I did create a GoFundMe today to go to the Jackalope Freedom Festival. So with the Jackalope Freedom Festival, um, if you go to GoFundMe.com backslash backslash or it's just slash that slash that you use in the web browser. I'm pretty sure it's a backslash. So I've been calling it forward slash for a really long time. Silly me. So 90 uh, P is in Paul. 84W, so www.gofundme.com 
slash 90 Paul 84 W. Uh, so please donate. Um, if you guys donate a hundred bucks, I'm going to let you be a guest on the podcast and I'm making it. I got these shirts that are going to be made. They look pretty awesome. Um, if you are interested, I will send you a picture of it, but, uh, for six people, cause I'm only asking for 600 bucks to go. So that just should cover my airfare. Um, and if, uh, if you would, if you would, please, please, um, donate anything you can afford to first things first, go and buy the book about cookie kill Chris and look to save your money for the DVD. But if you do have leftover money, please support me. If you like these podcasts, uh, I do this totally independently. So it's, there's no, I have no funding at all. So my funding is Drew Sample. So please support me. I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Um, and then let me see what else, guys. Oh, so following this message, it's going to be some audio that I found because um, it's actually really hard to find audio of Cookie. And I found some audio of him explaining why. And it's a, it's a really cool interview that he did. Um, I forget who he did it with, um, but it, it's on YouTube. It's one of the Cookie. I found it off YouTube. So anyways, guys, enjoy. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at your sample. Follow at the sample hour. Follow at Clever West, my brother slash sometimes co-host and follow at sneaker savage 23 go to www.sneakersavage.com hit them up if you want to get some awesome shoes if you're into sneakers and uh and that's it guys thank you so much and i will talk to you soon Fifty-five years old, so uh, I was at the prime of my life when you were running through everybody here in, in the Buffalo area. Right, right, right. Those were good days. I enjoyed uh, that time in Buffalo, and just unfortunately that Ralph Wolf and I uh, never saw eye to eye after that. Um, and as a matter of fact, it was the '62 season when I was MVP that I had. Um, uh, asked for a four-year contract. Sal Messina was my attorney in, out of Buffalo at that time, and I'd asked for a four-year contract with uh, the Buffalo Bills for two hundred thousand, a fifty thousand a year, and I wanted uh, one hundred fifty thousand invested in the Buffalo Bills, and I wanted a three and a half percent interest on the unpaid balance. And Ralph wasn't had me arrested. Oh no! Yeah. That's the time. But remember the time they said that I had, uh, that, I, I, that uh, I failed to stop at the stop sign, and, was, and I, they had charged me with uh, seven felony counts, and I saw the police officer. That, oh, that's right. And uh, that was as a result of that, because his position was that, uh, as I understand it, from several people, that uh, who does this guy think he is? You know, asking. <laughs> Uh, for this kind of money, and also mainly the, to be invested in the Buffalo Bills. And so from that day until this day, uh, you know, nothing has ever materialized for me out of Buffalo. You know, and the only thing I know is that they, they have a, uh, that they have, let me see, it's the uh, Lost Treasures of AFL, uh, the other league, AFL, uh, and the 1964... 63-64 season, which was on uh, uh, NFL Films, they did something, but I uh, I just uh, received a, a DVD from a guy with football fans with all those things on it, but a lot of they cut me out. ...controlled the ball and the game. Over 42,000 fans watched as the Bills methodically pounded the Chargers. Buffalo was the AFL champion. This is, a, this is the 40th anniversary of the Buffalo Bills championship in 64. Uh, 40, yeah, 40? 40, 40th, yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. And uh, as you well know, I've never been back to Buffalo at any time. So you know, I, to sign or, or any appearances or anything. 
as a professional businessman wanting to be compensated for my name and services rendered. And that comes under my intellectual property rights. Mm -hmm. Okay? And uh, I had, uh, that involves, you know, like uh, I've had some movie offers and I've had NFL films and uh, ESPN and I don't know if you uh, read the article that was in the Buffalo News, uh, was that June 5th, um, by uh, Sullivan, Jerry Sullivan? Right. You read that? I did not read that, no. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, he alluded to the fact that my problem was my issues were race and money. <laughs> you know, well, what else is there, you know? You know, I'm worth a lot of money, you know, in terms of my intellectual property rights because I have a cease and desist notice against the NFL, uh, NFL Films, NFL, uh, uh, HBO, ASPN, uh, Buffalo Bills, Denver Broncos, Miami Dolphins, uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, Fox Incorporated. Uh, that they cannot use my name and image and, uh, unless and until we can agree on a mutually business agreement. And that was instituted on uh, August 30th, 1994. Mm -hmm. so which <clears throat> explains you know, a lot of why uh, I'm not invited back and also explains a lot of why um, the, uh, the stand that uh, Wilson has taken against me is because I'm no longer playing football, you know, so why would I make myself available without being compensation, compensated for what I've already done and uh, undertakings that I take? And that's a prerequisite for me to be involved in anything, you know, one. And two, uh, I see this as a, uh, uh, a great opportunity for a healing between uh, myself, Ralph Wilson, Buffalo Bills, and the National Football League, and Jackie Kim. I've been working on this for, uh, you know, protecting my, my, my intellectual property rights, you know, for a long, many, many years. And, uh, like, you can't buy a video film on Cookie Gilchrist right. because I have that uh, cease and desist notice, but you can buy one on anybody else, you know, so... All that I have in my archives, as well as um, my DVD that I'm producing, which will come out sometime in 2006, like I said. And I just know that uh, my story and all everything attached to it <clears throat> is invaluable from a historical point of view and from a from a monetary point of view. It's, uh, it translates into a lot of money.